The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. I am honored to have uh, Craig Robinson as our guest today. Craig is an independent board advisor for both tech and real estate companies. Uh, Craig, how are you? I'm doing just great. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Craig, I've been a big fan of yours, what feels like uh, 30 years. It may not be 30 years, maybe it was 27 years, but I, <laughs> I've been a big fan of you for a long time. And so one of two, two topics I want to talk about today. The first one's real estate. And you you are in the C-suite world, and so you have a lot of insight, knowledge of uh, of the industry. What are your thoughts of the commercial real estate market today? Well, it's a great question, and you know, one thing I know is humans are horrible predictors of the future, but what we do know is what's happening right now, and that is change. There's so much change coming from literally almost every direction, from capital markets to what's happening in and around tech and innovation. And, and I think one of the areas of change that I'm most curious and interested in, and I think could have the most lasting impact, is just the way in which we're interacting with space, um, the demand curve, the demand, you know, kind of composition is shifting. Let's just take office, for example. The way in which we've always thought about office has fundamentally changed in terms of who's using it, when are they using it, and for what purposes. And it's having a profound impact on not only whether or not office space is used, but where it's used and its value. Um, And, you know, John, for most of our careers, it was kind of build it and they'll come. And the idea was just largely was a supply driven kind of industry. Um, All of the smart people were largely focused on how to finance, how to build, how to ultimately manage as an asset class, the building. And I think for the first time, we're really having to be curious about the end user. What is it that they want? What is it that they need? What are their expectations? And since COVID, where we have grown really accustomed to consuming services, information, um, even you know connections with our colleagues virtually and digitally, it has really transformed the use case for office. And so I think that's one of the areas of change I'm really, really curious about. I think it's scary for many of us, but it's also exciting because I think it's going to create some new opportunities. We've seen this change already. Uh, it impacted retail, and I think it's also going to impact Residential. Um, residential is not just a place where you live. It's a place where you work. It's a place that integrates with everything else that we do. And so this kind of omni-asset class, as it were, um, is becoming something I'm really interested in. And then lastly, I would just say uh, I have really enjoyed the past 10 years where prop tech, property technology, and innovation more broadly has just found um, a lot of use cases here in our industry and although the venture kind of trends around like financing and flow of capital has certainly kind of waned over the past few months, I think the driving you know desire, need, and use cases for innovation is still very, very strong. And I think we're still in the early innings. So, uh, your feedback on this? Sure, absolutely. So, so I've got a friend of mine, and he's a managing partner um, for an office of a national brokerage firm. And he told mm-hmm. me recently that he pays. $300,000 a year in rent uh, for his real estate, for his office. 
And he goes, John, I never hit 50% occupancy. He's like, all my guys work from home. And so he's making this statement. He's like, he wishes that corporately they could flip and then, you know, drastically decrease the size office. And so I hear him say that. I'm like, I get that. Now, my little company, right? There are days Mm -hmm. that I'm the only guy in the office and Craig, don't tell them this, but sometimes those are my favorite days, right? <laughs> like it's quiet, you know? Right. But the, the other flip side of it is that, you know, when, when all of my staff is in, those are, there's a lot of value to it. There's a lot of humanity. There's a lot of deeper sure. relationship, uh, strong, hard, good conversations. And so I go back and forth. I mean, there's a part of my brain's like, gosh, could I move to like downsizing my office and having people out more? But I think there's a cost to that. So to me, there's some balance yeah. in that, that there the concept of no one coming in ever, I'm against that for a lot of reasons, uh, but Me I'm too. also cost sensitive. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah, listen, there's there's no shortage of opinions and debates on this. And I think what you said is, is true, which is, you know, listen, we are social animals. The homo sapien is a social animal. We actually need interaction. We need um, to build strong ties with our colleagues and, and peers in order to be able to do complicated, complex things. And most of us work, work in knowledge worker environments. And it turns out that, you know, um, strong tie relationships are important. And, and those oftentimes require being in proximity to each other to really do that well, um, particularly where you don't have longstanding working relationships w- where you have some of the strong ties already in place. And there's a lot of research that kind of backs us up. So I also believe that the need to kind of come into a space, be in connection and, you know, in close proximity to others is important. And so we'll need space to do that. The office building, the office space is not going anywhere. What I think is changing is how we think about its effectiveness. You and I grew up in a space where we thought about it from an ROA perspective. Like, like how often are we using this asset? And, and we measured it through its utilization. And it may be that that's just a dated way of thinking about the um, the role and in, in kind of the, the value of offices. Maybe it's not a utilization. Maybe it's more of effectiveness. Is when I use the space, is it effective for the things that I needed to do? Are there the right type of spaces and subspaces in my environment that allows me to like convene and connect and collaborate? Or is it just a row of office cubes, which doesn't do that? And so I think we can think about, is the space effective? And yes, is it efficient, like meaning do I have enough or too much of it? And I think what we're also seeing is that people want choice and optionality. It could be that over the course of a single day, I might need three, four, five, six types of spaces inside. I might need an office for heads down time. I need a room for us to collaborate. I need a space to convene and host. So I suspect, John, that we will revisit how we think about the effectiveness of office by virtue of being sensitive to the different use cases that we need to support. And it won't be about how frequent um, someone uses the space. It'll be just when they use it, is it really effective? And is it in the location where I need it to be? And ultimately what we want is choice. Um, so what does that mean for valuation and for how much of it and where do you own it? I don't know. I think that's going to be for each to decide, but my sense is the way we measure it is definitely changing. You know, it's so funny, Craig. I, I, I left Tremel Crow Company before the merger with CBRE, so I didn't experience that. And so, but a lot of my friends were. And so after CBRE bought Tremel Crow and they merged, I reached out to a couple of people and I said, how is it like being in the CBRE offices? And the number one by far answer I got was, John, it's so great. They have free snacks. 
There's free <laughs> snacks. And I just remember thinking these people are, you know, 40 years old and they're telling me free snacks. And, you know, I think there was that millennial movement and, you know, you had companies bring in skee-ball and stuff like that into the office. Right. It's like trying to create that. I look at it today and there's two things that jump out. I walk 10,000 steps during the day. I walk constantly. And in my mind, I'm like, offices are more sensitive to that. The other thing is people love my office now because it's got phenomenal security. And so mm-hmm. people feeling safe is another thing. So all that kind of kind of comes together. We got to uh, wrap up in a minute, but do you have any thoughts on any of that? Yeah. Like I said, the, what the people want from space is for an amazing experience. They want the space to be experiential. And that experience is both in who I'm connecting with, the food I'm consuming, um, all the furniture, the space types. But you're right, COVID was kind of a catalyst in making us think about the security and safety of space, both from germs, but also from bad actors. And so the role of space is having to do a lot for us. And I think you're right, we need to be thinking about all of that. And um, But one of the things I don't think is going anywhere is that we want to have great and memorable experiences in those spaces in order for us to want to come into them every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, I got one time that I got to spend 24 hours with Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. And so I had dinner with him in his house and stayed over awesome. and hang with him. It was awesome. But when I wanted to ask him about the making the chicken sandwich and becoming a billionaire and on the Batman deal, all he wanted to talk about was employees and experiences with employees. And so you're right, yeah. you know, that on the other side, it's that humanity component. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to right back to you, Craig. And I want to talk to you about uh, leadership and and been being a CEO. So stay with us here right with the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Crossmark Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. Managing a team that has a lack of accountability and effective communication can be frustrating. Bill Roto-Rooter can help you build a cohesive team and a collaborative work environment. As a retired commander of the Navy's premier training system and research development organization, Roto has the experience to help you build trust and a high-performing team as you navigate high-pressure situations. To schedule a complimentary call with Roto, go to rotospeaks.com and complete the form and put the Crossman conversation in the message field. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Once again, here's John Crossman. We are back here at the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition, and Craig Robinson is my guest. And I knew Craig when he was in grad school and he was a college student and I was blown away by him at the first day I met him. And now all these years later, he has been a president and CEO and on board seats. And so Craig, when you look at all that, when you think about, man, that CEO is so impressive. What were the traits or attributes that jump out to you that like, that's what makes that person so good? Yeah. Well, listen, I've been really blessed and had a fortunate career and, 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 and I'm really grateful because those have been opportunities to serve and to do some good. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that people love about leaders is, is when they're authentic, you know, being your authentic self. And I've read so many leadership bios and, and two things strike me as interesting about leadership bios. 
One is it's really, really hard to reverse engineer someone's success, right? You have to almost be confident and committed to your own journey, whatever that is. And it starts with being your authentic self. The best leaders are authentic, in my opinion. And and I think that's just really, really important. And leadership is very contextual. So um, so being able to just show up authentically in a space where your leadership is required is I think is huge. But when I think about my journey, there have been a few phases, John, that I think are important for anyone on that journey to think about. Um, and if you think about the real estate, you know, kind of industries that came, the first step is getting in the game. You mentioned when I was coming out of grad school, the key was like, how do I get into this industry? And it's not easy. You know, it requires people to like mentor you and coach you and and help you find your space inside the game. And for me, starting with Trammell Crow was an amazing, you know, kind of place to start my career, but getting in, getting in the game. The next is how do you stay in the game? This is a tough industry. And if you don't have the right mentors to help you through those like low spots and bumps and bruises along the way, um, the churn is pretty high, particularly in brokerage and places where you have to perform to stay in. Um, you know, let's assume you get in, let's just say you stay in. Then the question is, how do you win the game? And that's when you really start to say, I have found my lane. I have found my voice. I have found something that I love doing, that I do well, and I am winning the game. I am playing to win the game, and however you measure that. But ultimately, I think the most important chapter in the game and really where CEOs and leaders of businesses have an opportunity is to think about how you change the game. Mm-hmm. What is going to be your lasting mark and impression and for me, and I know this is really important to you, it's about really bringing more diversity, bringing more innovation, changing the way we think about ultimately how we provide services to you know our clients. And so that's been the most exciting and memorable part of my career is just really now being in a season of my life where I have hopefully the opportunity to change the game. Oh, you're doing it. You're doing it. I want to repeat that back. So you said being an authentic leader, your authentic self, you know, and yeah. Uh, part of that's uh, being humble and listening and empathetic and then telling your story, right? Who you are. That's and then right. you said, that's you right. got to get in the game, stay in the game, win the game, change the game. That's, that's, that's right. That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. When I think about you, um, what jumps to my front of my mind is a problem solver. That's how I see you. Like issue comes up, your mind goes, it's like on it and then working to solve the problem. And so um, give me a little thought about that. Do you see yourself in that context? You, you know, I, um, there are a lot of things that I don't do well. <laughs> and, and, um, but w- one of the things that I love doing, and I'm not even sure I do it well, but I love doing it. And maybe there's something to be said for that. Is I, love, I love solving problems. I love solving really complex, big, hairy, audacious problems. And so, you know, I, I, I have been drawn to those things. And, and those problems are oftentimes really risky. But if, if you're being authentic and if you feel like you've got safe space to really take risks and to be innovative and to do something different, and this gets to changing the game and winning the game, um, then I think that could be really, really rewarding. And so I, I have really just personally enjoyed those types of challenges and opportunities where I get a chance to solve big, complex, crazy things and, and hopefully, um, you know, pays out. So let me ask you this. Um... If you were talking to a group of CEOs and they're good guys, good guys and gals, predominantly white, and they were kind of like, man, Craig, like you're killing it. You're doing great. Like, aren't we kind of there? Like, why do we need to keep, why would we need to keep talking about diversity? Like, why would that need to keep coming up? What would you say to that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Listen, 
the, the, so let's just start with the facts. We're, we're not there. We're not even close to being quote unquote there. Um, less than mm, less than two percent of uh, executive and senior leadership in our industry is represented by people like me, um, and probably less than three, certainly less than four percent. But I'm going to say less than three percent um, if you include you know people like me and women. Um, and you and I both know uh, that the percentage of our population uh, that are both people of color and women is significantly more than 3%, 4%. So we're by no means there. Um, and then these numbers are probably even skewed further when you get into certain areas of our industry. Um, having an outlier, however this outlier like myself got here, is not a reason to, 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 to basically celebrate. It's actually a call to action to say, how do we get more Craig Robinsons? How do we get more people? And that unfortunate but important thing for people who currently sit in these seats to realize is that it's not going to happen unless they are allies, they're sponsors, and they and they really, you know, not fight it, not pretend that it is not necessary, but actually embrace it as part of um, the way in which they can leave a lasting legacy and mark in this industry is by being a part of that change that we talked about. I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have sponsors, people who didn't look like me, who, you know, who took a chance, who created a space for me, and then ultimately I have to perform. But trust me when I tell you, there's amazing, amazing talent, diverse talent from all walks of life. They need a chance. They need sponsors. They need mentors. And they need for someone to have an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset. The abundance mindset says there's more than enough opportunity for all of us. The scarcity mindset says if I let this person in, I'm taking something away from me or someone in my, my tribe. Um, and the more we have that kind of tribal mindset, the more we're going to basically stay in a place that's not a good place for any of us because we know that diverse organizations, diverse industries lead to better outcomes. And so ultimately, this is about creating a win-win, but you have to have an abundance mindset. And we need more Craig Robinsons, and it's not going to happen without their help. Well, Lord, I need more Craig Robinson in my life. <laughs> That's what I need. <laughs> you know, I always say, look, <laughs> diversity is not about lowering the bar. It's about widening the net. We want the best and brightest. And, yes. Um, we're not getting the best and brightest. We're getting some, but but I meet all kinds of great, talented people that go and end up working in the financial industry or they're working in some other industry, but they could be in our industry, right? That's and, right. And, and, That's and when right. you're talking about all the things, you know, the people in the brokerage business that make a ton of money, and there is a lot of money to make, they got to have grit. They don't necessarily need to be the smartest. They need to be the most creative, problem-solving, relationship, get things done. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are diverse that are some of the best I've ever seen at that. So, mm-hmm. um, Craig, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate that. Thanks Thank for you. having me. Oh, man, thanks for the wisdom on real estate. Thanks for the wisdom on leadership. And I just want you to know I've been honored to be a fan of yours for a long time, and I'll keep doing it. And I hope you're going to stay in touch with us and let us know if we can ever do anything for you. Absolutely, John. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all the things that you do that are both seen and unseen. I see a lot of it, and I know you're a great man, great heart, and you're doing the hard work, and I appreciate you, buddy. All right, my friend. Take care. Uh, this has uh, been John Crossman on the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition with my good buddy Craig Robinson, who's an independent board advisor and influencing the real estate and tech industry nationally. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our final word. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, 
their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, justice, and suicide. CrossmanCB.com At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Once again, here's John Crossman. We're back with the final word on the CEO edition of the Crossman Conversation with Mike Gill. And Mike, as always, thanks for being here with me. Hey, it's always fun to be here. Let I me learn a lot. Listen, my friend, I remember going to Atlanta. I had an office in Atlanta and I'd work out of it one day a week and I was doing stuff all the country. And one time I was up there and just getting some lunch and I met this young man, quiet, but just, you know, had a great presence about him. I'm like, gosh, that guy's interesting. And his name was Craig Robinson. That was the first time I met Craig. And then found out, you know, he's a grad student at Harvard. I mean, he was interning, you know, at grad Harvard. This guy's so impressive. But here's the cool thing. I go back up in Atlanta. Remember, I'm up there every week and I'm doing business and I'm pitching. And I flew up there for the day or maybe I flew up the night before or the next day. And then I was meeting Craig, who was the intern. He was the college student. And we're meeting in a hotel lobby, then walking to go in this really big pitch with some big guys. So I walk in. I don't have a tie on. And this is back in the day when everyone was suits. I'm missing mm-hmm. my tie. So somebody said something. And I was like, gosh, I just can't believe it. I didn't pack my tie for this. Craig didn't say a word. He he must have been 22 or something. I mean, he was like a young guy. He beelines it to the concierge desk and says, I need a tie right now. And that kid came back with a tie for me. Man. Gave me the tie. <laughs> They I have put, uh, they have those at the concierge. Desk. I don't know. I have never. I mean, his brain. I I'm looking at this kid again. Maybe he was 22 years old, grad kid, and I'm like, he's blowing me away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone yeah. else was just standing there, and I just remember thinking, like, we're all gonna be working for this kid one day. I mean, that's just how he was then. Mm-hmm. And I mean, um, he has gone from like you know, I was at a higher point, and he was you know, college kid, to becoming my equal to passing me. He passed me career-wise, a long time ago. Isn't that something? And now he's way, way past that. I mean, he he's at levels I'm never going to hit. And I don't mean that to be, you know, negative on myself. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that's how impressive this guy is. Yeah. And then when you hear him talk, it's it's humble, it's kind, uh, intentional, thoughtful, right? Yeah, he's still a student, even though he may have left Harvard. He's obviously always learning and man the things that he rattled off that you actually repeated i i was writing them down too you got to be confident you got to get into the game you got to stay in the game you got to win the game and here's the thing you got to change the game isn't that that last part you know where we think about how certain environments and that could even be in a church environment could be a non-profit environment could be a profit environment about how is the game working and is it is it geared towards some people and not allowing for others, you know, whatever that means, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's saying change the game and prove it, you know, get it better. Yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of people are like what I tend to be, John, mm. and that is just kind of keep status quo going. Really? If they, they feel like that's their job. Yeah. They feel like they've been hired to do something. They don't necessarily look at everything they do with an eye of how can this be more efficient? How can I improve it? Yeah, it's uh, well, we've always done it this way. 
Yeah. We've always done it this way. I had a friend who used to throw a company Christmas party and I would go to it and several years in a row, I was like, this is the worst thing ever. It's just so bad. And it, it wasn't bad intentionally. It was a lot of like, we always did that way. So finally I just sort of leaned into the person that was running it. And I, one year I'm like, can I, can I make a couple comments and like some, do some things differently? And they appreciated the help. And then the party got better and better and better. It's just no one was saying anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it was kind of like everyone was just kind of putting up with it and not trying to, not trying to make it better. Right. That's really what wise to do that. And he's obviously got it going on. And the whole thing about him being a problem solver, he's the perfect person for that. Listen, when I think about him, I'm like, that's a guy that gets things done. Like if you were like, man, we got a big problem in this country. That's the kind of guy you bring in who just is able to focus in humble and get it done. I'm missing my tie. He could have looked at me and been like, sucks for you. You know, like you're going to look like an idiot or that's your problem. I mean, he was just beyond. And I mean, I've watched him do that for pushing 30 years now. That's that's, that's what that guy is. So, so great to have him. So Mike, always great to have you here. Thank you, my friend. Crossman Conversations, CEO edition. This has been the Crossman Conversation CEO Edition with your host, John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.